If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg, and friends. Today, we are going to be having a conversation about developing, implementing, and evaluating the pilot assessment of your four-day workweek. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Dolph, I download every episode, and if you do, man, you, you are one of my favorite people. But you might be saying to yourself, I download every episode, Dolph, and I know you, you just had someone on a few months ago to talk about this. Why are you doing it again so soon? And there's two reasons why. The first is the last episode we did on this was from the perspective of a chief executive, and she was sharing with us how her organization implemented it. This episode with Jessica Angst-Weitzel comes from a very different perspective. Jessica is the president and co-owner of VIA Evaluation. And my friends, VIA Evaluation is a certified women-owned evaluation and strategy consulting firm. They spend all of their time trying to really work on evaluation projects for nonprofits, for-profits, and government entities. And I'll also share with you, Via Evaluation just implemented a four-day work week in their own consulting firm. And that's why we're having her on, because as you would imagine, an evaluation firm, a firm that spends so much of its time and energy and resources helping other organizations develop evaluations and assessments, before they make frankly, kind of a bold move to go to a four-day work week, you better believe they're going to be evaluating it. And so that's why we wanted to have her on and have that conversation. And the other reason we decided to have her on is after we ran the last episode, two things happened. A few listeners reached out to me and said, Dolph, we love this episode, but we want to know more about the pilot. And the second thing that happened is I was having a conversation with a coaching client who also happens to listen to the podcast. And he said to me, well, we're thinking about a, a four-day work week and, and we're just having difficulty designing the pilot. And I thought, oh, okay, I know who we're going to have on to talk about this. So friends, please join me in welcoming Jessica Angst-Weitzel to the podcast. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Now, 
I know that we're going to be diving into the four-day workweek pilot that you did, but before we do, could you share a little bit about the unique challenges and parallels between your consulting firm and similar-sized nonprofits that might want to be making a similar transition? Yeah, we're a firm of about 15 to 20 people, depending on uh, what's coming in. And we find there's a lot of nonprofits who are of that size. Um, and we we are technically a for-profit, but we run with big heart and we run with putting our people at the center and knowing that if they have work-life balance, they also do a better job for our clients. So while we are technically different, there are a lot of parallels to what we see among our nonprofit clients. And I could absolutely see that, Jessica. I often think that about successful nonprofits, and we are much smaller than you. There's only a few of us, but I often think that, that well, while we're a for-profit with the heart of a nonprofit, we often look more like a small nonprofit in the ways we run and the ways we work together, et cetera, than we do a for-profit business. And, and it's a, one more reason why I thought you would be the perfect guest to come on and talk about this. So when you were conceptualizing the four-day workweek pilot, what were some of the specific outcomes or maybe success metrics that you wanted to make sure you captured? Coming up with the success metrics was, this was more challenging than a lot of the evaluations that we do. So if we're working with a school, they're implementing a program to improve school climate, oh, I'm going to look at attendance and, and attitudes. When it's something with a workplace, especially when things are already positively muddied with, we're much more flexible now post-COVID, people are hybrid. Um, we knew we wouldn't be able to pull out the results of this, just this. But a few things we set out to look at were revenue, obviously, but that's a that's a very lagging kind of indicator. We knew that couldn't be the first thing. So you said lagging indicator, and I just want to level set and make sure that, that everyone who's listening understands lagging indicator. Oh yeah. Great clarification. So Revenue is not something we're going to see in two months, three months. We aren't going to see the impact of this change on revenue for at least a year and maybe even longer. So while that's important for business to make sure we can pay our people and be on track, we knew we had to put in some indicators before that. So we decided to participate in an official pilot. Is this part of an international pilot that was run, I believe, by Four Day Work Week? Where, you know, my first comment to my business partner when she brought up the idea was, oh, how will we assess this? Because that's where my brain goes. And they provided pre and post surveys that look at some of the key aspects of four day work week, which are things like increased productivity within the time that you have. How much time are you spending commuting? What time are you spending on child care, household chores? How is your mental health? That was the big thing we re really wanted to see. How is your job satisfaction? Uh, we're still waiting on those results because it was part of such a big pilot. Uh, we're interested to see those, but we also decided internally to set up how we were going to look at hours and efficiency, set up to look at are people still working on Fridays, even if they're not supposed to, are their days ending up longer? We we set it out to be an eight-hour day. Are they still able to do that? What is their workload looking like? And then we have a survey that was, what barriers are you seeing? Is this working? Is this not working? And we got some very surprising, interesting feedback from that. So those were some of the 
the key things we wanted to look at. And, and we're still assessing. We're coming up on one year at the end of this month, and that's where we're going to sit down and really look at the numbers again. So it's interesting. I'm curious about some of the results. It sounds like you all made the intentional decision to say we're all going to work the same four days since you said everyone's got Friday off. Do you find that people are working on Friday? Yeah, so that was part of the planning of the pilot. When we started looking at the piloting of this, uh, we stopped, we looked at the data of where people's time was going, where are their hours, and are those hours, what days of the week are those on, what client needs might be. Then we started thinking about, well, also as a management team, what does this look like? And as a team working together, what does this look like? Should we do flexible, you can pick your day, should we make it just it's 32 hours a week whenever you want to do it? Like what could work? And we talked to the staff about the different options. And one of the things we realized is that if any one person is working, people will feel an obligation to respond. And it's not a clear message to our clients. So we wanted to be really clear with clients that we are open Monday to Thursday. We are here. We are here in normal hours. We are going to help you. But on Fridays, our message is you, you won't, you probably won't get a response unless there's some very big emergency. So that's why we chose to have the same four days. And from other people I've talked to, I am glad we made that decision because people I've talked to who went the other route said that trying to schedule meetings with the team or having team cohesion has been a real challenge because everybody has different days. So that's that's why we very intentionally chose that. People at first were still working on Fridays a little. It's almost like a habit thing. And our messaging at first was, please don't work on Fridays. We had to really, you know, as a team, talk about that. And now over time, they've gotten more used to it. And we do make exceptions. And we had to clarify this as we went. If there's a client event or a, or a professional development or a conference, you can work on the Friday. If you're feeling very behind and want a couple hours to catch up, that Friday is there, but treat it like you would a weekend. You don't want to work on a Friday. We're trying to have you not work on a Friday. But if it's absolutely essential or it's a timing thing, it is sometimes going to happen. And have you developed any informal rules? Like, for example, hey, if you're working on a Friday, schedule send so that Whoever you're sending 25 emails to does not return on Monday morning with 25 emails in their inbox. Yes. Yeah, so we already use schedule send for any off hours and it includes Fridays now. And we've been very clear with people, do not expect a response. If you, if you do choose to work some hours on a Friday, which is rare, it's not a day where somebody's going to respond to you at the office. And so that's been very clear. And it's been interesting how the messaging had to change at first. I was impressed when we did our own pre-survey. I thought every staff person is going to be totally for this and excited. And a lot of our staff were really nervous about it because they care a lot about doing their jobs and doing them well and felt like, well, can I do this well in the five days? And this was before we did trainings on how, how you can make it more efficient. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. And, and so we had to really push the don't work on Friday. See if this can work. That's what we kept saying. That's why you pilot. We really have to see if it can work. And if you're working on Fridays, we're not actually assessing how well this is working. As it's evolved, as we got seven months, eight months into it, we've been a little more flexible in the, 
if you need an hour on a Friday, so it makes your week better, we understand. Um, I think especially for those of us who are parents, sometimes a kid has a a practice that you have to leave at 4.30 on a given day and you can't quite get back to that work. So um, we're trying to keep it a little bit flexible, but really Friday is that day where I don't want you working. And if you have to work, it's like, keep it to the minimum and don't expect a response. Mm-hmm. And so one of your success metrics was, hey, are people working on Friday? Are you finding that, again, like it's gone, like Friday work has gone down, has gone up since you started the pilot or staying the same? Uh, it has gone down with the exception of, like I said, conferences or those very unique events. It has gone down because the habit at first was people were still sneaking on and checking email. And I understand I was one of them at first. I actually started my pilot personally a month early to really get myself in the habit of like, people have been raised differently, but I was really raised as you work hard and that's part of your value. And so getting into a place of it's okay to not work on a day of the week. It was a mental shift that I had not anticipated. And like I said, for some of our staff, it was also a mental shift where having the five-day work week and it helped with their feelings of value and accomplishment. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, it's okay. I can still be accomplished and still do a lot within the four days. Right. I, I know another one of your success metrics was 32 hours in four days, so averaging eight hours a day. What have the numbers told you? The numbers are looking good. So we, when we went into it and looked at the hours spent, we then did a bunch of trainings with all of our staff on how to use time efficiently. Um, And some of this was for 40 work weeks. Some of this is things that we came up ourselves. And we had weekly, we already do a weekly all staff. At that all staff, we did discussions on, hey, have you found anything that like maybe you want to be more efficient in or, or something you thought was not a good use of time? and really had those conversations. So that that helped. And then so then when we looked at our hours, when we started, there was a lot of time spent on somewhat nebulous things. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was wasted time, but it's time that didn't necessarily like have to be that long. So did you need to spend an hour on this? Maybe it could have been half an hour. We also audited all our meetings. So all of our all staff meetings or even group meetings and went through and then talked to Steph and said, is this useful? How is it useful? Does this hour meeting, should it be a half hour? Can we get through what we need to get to? And um, so we really cut down those meetings to what's essential. But we always said, this is the beauty of a pilot, whether it's no matter what it is. We said, we can revisit this. If it's not working, we can revisit. So now our metrics are showing us we're more productive. So our time on client tasks, our time on client projects, is a much greater proportion of our time than it was previously. And my gut says that you're using some kind of time tracking survey, so you know that. It's not just asking team members, hey, do you feel like you're spending a higher percentage of your time on client work? Oh, yeah. No, we understand the difference between perception and reality. So we've been using a time tracking app. Um, it's called Paymo. We've been using that for project management and time tracking for years. And so one of the things we did talk about is make sure you are being accurate. We, we've talked for years about being accurate in time tracking, but even more so with this, make sure you're being accurate in your time tracking. So people can use that as a, 
stopwatch function, or they can go in at the end of the day. It's always half an hour on this, an hour on that. And that's been really, really important data for us. I'll share with you, at successful nonprofits, we use something similar, Hivedesk. Same thing, you clock in and out. You can have, I'm sure there's a limit on projects. We've not hit it yet. You know, you can have limitless projects, even things like when I'm recording the podcast, there's a, there's a project for me to check into. Okay, I'm recording the podcast. I do know, though, as someone who came from the nonprofit sector and then kind of moved over to the for-profit consulting sector, I think that time tracking could be a real shift for a lot of nonprofits. That's a fair point. And it was, I've been here for, well, since 2007, a long time. And we didn't track time when I first started. And so I've seen the evolution and it is, it's, it's hard at first to convince people but I think now there are so many apps to make it so easy to do that. Um, and also then you can feed that back to staff. So we'll say you know, the staff can transparently see. So something we do in coaching staff is, why don't you look at where your time is going? Do you think it's serving you? Is it, are there places you think you could be doing more efficient? So I think that's a whole other culture shift within a nonprofit that, that this is not about penalizing people. This is not about having you clock in and out on a time card. This is really about helping you have awareness of where your time is going and how you can use it most efficiently. Right. And and I, I could not agree with you more. I am curious if if we have friends who are listening and maybe like, oh, we'd love to do this at our nonprofit, but we don't yet have like a good time tracking system so we know what people are spending their time on. Would you recommend that they implement that first, or is there some change to the pilot evaluation that you would suggest to kind of account for the fact that they don't have a time tracking system? Yeah, it depends a little bit on how granular you want to be. So for us, there's a big difference between, is it a client project or is it something internal? I never want to cut things down on a client project if it's if it impacts quality, absolutely not. Internally, there's a lot of things we can say, is that essential? Is it not essential? But if you're in a nonprofit, say you're a, a front-facing social worker, how granular do you want to go in your time? It's Is it, look, I was doing services for six hours of today and I spent two hours internal. Maybe it's that simple. Um, depend, so it's, it's like with any evaluation, you want to think about what do I want to answer and at what level of detail do I need to answer it? Because you don't want to go crazy with data tracking and then have have spent all this time on it if you won't use it. So I would say it's 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 kind of place by place of how granular do you need to be to answer the questions you want to answer. And it sounds like finding a simple system for tracking that maybe is not as comprehensive as some people might like is okay for this type of a pilot. Oh, absolutely. The simpler you can go, almost, I say this almost any data tracking, the simpler you can go, probably the better, especially if you have a lot of frontline staff. You know, one of the questions, and, and I've been hearing this question, I've heard of this question from three or four different sources in the last couple months, so it keeps coming back to me. There's a great question. It's a generative question. If this were easy, what would it look like? So I'd feel like when it comes to time tracking, that's a question first to ask ourselves. If this were easy, if we had to track our, our time on projects or whatever in some way, and it were easy, what would it look like? Yeah, and I think, like I said, that's with any data tracking. People sometimes will come to us and say, oh, we need you to set up a whole system, and it needs to have 100 features. And and what we found more and more is we have them step back and say, let's, let's start simple. 
what do you really need? Let's start there. And then we can build out if you need to. But we've just seen so many people waste time, energy, and money on the most complicated solution because that's what they've been told. Maybe a board member with good intent who works in a big organization came in and said, we have to implement this, this whole system. Will it be serving you is, is absolutely a question. And is it the simplest answer to get you the best information? Absolutely. And, you know, like, like you and like your firm, all nonprofits have clients. That client might be a person. It might be a community. It might be um, an organization, but all nonprofits also have clients. So I'm curious to know what your communication and feedback with clients was like before you even implemented the pilot. Yeah. So that was actually my biggest concern going in, it, especially we started this, people were still kind of coming out of pandemic phase. The nonprofits and the schools we work with were just, their staff are overwhelmed. It, it just, they have been through some very, very, very hard times, lots of burnout, lots of turnover. And one of my concerns was I don't want it to come across like, oh, we know you're in the trenches and we're abandoning you. I wanted to make sure our message was clear we are going to be here for you four days a week doing everything we can. If there is an event that has to be on a Friday, just like if there had to be something on a Saturday, we will work around that and figure it out. We're here for you. And here's what we're doing so that we can make sure that staff come to you fresh and eager and bringing their best. And so we sent out an email ahead of time saying we're going to be implementing this soon. I, we had exact dates. And... I was like, oof, what, what are we going to get back from clients? The, it was an outpouring of support. I was, I was surprised at the level at which our clients emailed back and said, this is amazing. We are so excited for you. Oh, I'd like to do this in my organization. Can we talk about it? It was a very pleasant surprise to me. And they've been very good about respecting that boundary, even as we've gotten into a year, I had a client the other day who said, oh, wait, I know you don't work on Friday. Can we talk on Thursday? So it's becoming a known and a habit. Um, and we do keep on our away message for Fridays so that if people do email, they get a bounce back saying, we're doing a four-day work week pilot. We look forward to getting back to you next week, something along those lines. Now, I feel pretty confident we probably have some friends who are listening right now and they think, well, if my nonprofit served organizations, that's probably the response I would get. But my nonprofit serves individuals who might feel a little more urgency. Um, do you have any thoughts? And, and I know you all don't, you all work with individuals, but they're individuals who are part of an organization. Do you have any thoughts for for working with those or communicating with those individuals? Yeah. And that's where within an organization, the staggered might be better. If you are a social service agency, you can't just say, hey, we're not here. We're just not here on Fridays. I mean, you could, but it's a very, it's a different kind of thing. If you are dealing with people in crisis, obviously, um, my sisters are both nurses. I understand that there are times where you do just have to have people there. So if that's your context, that's where a more staggered schedule can work out. It, there are also contexts though, where they may have the same surprise we had, which is people will respect healthy boundaries. If you're clear with them about them, if you let them know ahead of time, hey, here's what our hours will be, people tend to say, okay, and they adjust to that. So it is a real balance depending on the individuals you're serving. 
and how available you need to be. Do you need to be a 24-7 place? That's a different situation where you have to think about a staffing model that facilitates that where it can't be just one day a week, everybody is off. Now, I also know that a lot of nonprofits have earned revenue much the way your firm does, or they have a performance contract. So, you know, they have to, they have to provide a unit of service in order to get paid for it. So I am curious, let's talk about that lagging indicator. How has this impacted bottom line dollars? So because it's only, it hasn't quite been a year, I can't give you a final answer. But we did find from the prior year, our revenue did level off a little bit. This fis- Our fiscal year just ended a few months ago. But that's not necessarily because of four-day work week. And so that's what we're going to try and tease out as time goes, because so much changed within that year. And now we are on track for revenue to be very improved. And and one of my qualitative indicators, too, is are people telling me they're too busy? So if I'm saying, hey, we have to develop this work product, we have to do this proposal, am I getting any pushback of people saying, I can't, I'm just too swamped? I'm not getting that pushback. So that's telling me, at least on the end of developing proposals, my staff still have room to do that. As far as what will happen, because we are a program evaluation, we are dependent somewhat on grants coming out. Uh, That funds a big chunk of our work. And I can't control what happens with that. So like I said, I'm projecting that this year we will have 10 to 15% growth. But I won't really know that for another several months. Yeah. One of the other things that I'm just super curious about is recruitment during this pilot. So have you brought any new team members or staff members on board during this one-year pilot? Yes, we have. And that that was interesting because it's still a pilot. So we were originally a six-month pilot, then said we need to extend it at least another six months to see what it looks like throughout a year. And so when we advertised that there were two people we hired as we were piloting, we wanted to be careful in our language that we are piloting this because I you don't want to hire somebody with an expectation and then have it not work out. So we've been very careful in our language. Now, if we decide to keep it, we can be clearer about that. But it is absolutely helps with recruitment. I mean, we have people, um, people call us about it, people ask about it. And one of the things I wanted to make sure of in our job postings is that we are clear what the job is and that we are looking for people who align to our core values and really want to do this work and are passionate about this work. And then the four-day work week is another benefit because we're trying to find that balance of, I want people to understand in those eight hours, four days a week, you need to be really, really dedicated to get everything done. And so far it's been successful. The two staff we've, we've brought on are great. They're really excited. They're, they're doing a fantastic job and they get to have a four-day work week. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So I have one final question before we go to the off the map question. And that question is, so you're a year in, as you look back on this pilot, is there anything about the approach to the pilot that you would have changed? Surprisingly, not really. And I'm usually one who goes back and says, oh, we should have done this better. We should, I mean, we're constantly evaluating what we do ourselves. But I really think the approach we took 
was a good one where it was give heads up to people, have real discussions with staff. That has made an enormous difference. And then that continuous feedback loop from staff about what barriers are you coming into? Is this working well? Is it not working well? Like what's going well? What's not going well? And then adjusting and adapting to that, I think has made it really positive. But I really think that prep time is absolutely essential. If you just jump into, okay, we're gonna do a four-day work week, everything you did in 40 hours, we're now gonna do 32, people would have lost their minds and it would have been really hard. And I think that time we spent really talking through your work approach has to change. What are those changes to make this happen? That was really essential. And I think that's the thing that I would recommend the most to people is really take that time. It doesn't have to be a long time, but make sure you talk to staff about what will have to change to make this successful. It's not suddenly to just keep doing the same thing because it won't work. Mm -hmm. That is wise, wise advice and not something I thought about putting in those terms. Thank you. And Jessica, we are rapidly running out of time, but we've got a great off the map question for you. So obviously you're currently the president and co-owner of VIA Evaluation, but if you weren't running VIA, what would you be doing vocationally or professionally? Yeah. So I have a dream, which is to open a bookstore, uh, especially a bookstore with maybe like a bar and fancy drinks, something like that. Um, my sister-in-law, who's a marketing professor, she and I every once in a while sit and get a little serious about it. And then are like, this, we'd just be burning our money, but <laughs> it would be really wonderful. I was, um, surprisingly for a person who does data, I was an English major and uh, the background's English major in public health and reading is just, it's something I love and sharing that with people. So if if I just had infinite money and didn't have to worry about the stresses of running a bookstore, which is highly, highly stressful because it's not the most profitable sort of thing, uh, I would definitely be doing that. It would be amazing. Wow. Very cool. So uh, I do have one follow-up question. Have you thought about a name for the bookstore? No, because, well, we, we bandied about a few of them, but we keep finding there are people already doing this, which is great. <laughs> Um, so before I was like, before we even think of a name, we are planning a few little field trips. I just found a place in New York city that does this. I know there's one, I believe in Atlanta. So what I've been doing in the meantime is every time I travel to a new city, I make sure to find if there's a bookstore cafe or bookstore bar, definitely that, or at least an independent bookstore, I go and buy a book from whatever independent bookstore is in that city. And I love doing that. You get to discover a little bit of the flavor of each place. But what it would look like in Buffalo is a, a question to be determined. I, I love that. I love that. I think I saw, I think I visited when I was in Seattle. I think it's Powell Bookstore, which is like over five or six stories. It's in Portland. I'm sorry, Portland. Oh, my bad. Sorry, wrong city. I travel a lot for work, so I forget where I go sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so I, that's actually in my head what I'm imagining you starting with like a bar or something like that on the ground floor. But Jessica, th thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I am incredibly grateful that you came on to really do a deep dive on pilot projects for our nonprofits who listen, who are interested in doing one of their own. Great. Well, thank you for having me. All right, friends. I want to leave you with two URLs. The first is Via Evaluation. That is Jessica's consulting firm. And at that website, 
you will find a very approachable format that is focused on what you need as an organization. It is a fantastic place to learn more about the group of people at VIA and the work they do. If you are interested in any type of an evaluation project, I would strongly recommend that you reach out to VIA and have that conversation. Additionally, Jessica mentioned four-day week multiple times, and it's a global organization and global movement. You can find them at fourdayweek.com. You may recall that she had talked about getting some trainings from them and also participating in, in their broad kind of inaugural pilot. So definitely make sure that you check out fourdayweek.com if you want more resources for your organization and how they might be able to move in that direction. And my friends, I always ask this, if you like this podcast, please do us a huge favor and do me a huge favor by rating and reviewing it on your streaming app of choice. If you're like me, you're listening to the podcast on a phone, so it's super simple. Literally, just open your phone and click rate or review inside your podcast streamer. And finally, my friends, if you like this episode, there are two more that I think you should consider. One is episode 265, Becoming a Competitive and Equitable Employer with Kevin Dean. One of the things Jessica did say to us is even just being able to say we're doing a pilot made them an even more competitive employer. They're already a pretty great place to work and made them an even more competitive employer. Also consider episode 305 with Pam Orr. And that's where she talked about her organization's great success with their four-day workweek experiment. That, my friends, is our episode for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. All right, friends, here's the disclaimer. And let's just set the record straight, which is ironic that I'm setting anything straight, but let's just set the record straight. If you think I'm an accountant or an attorney, you are barking up the wrong podcast. I am not an accountant, nor am I an attorney. This show is all about information that is going to help you and your nonprofit thrive. It is not about the nitty-gritty legalities or accounting and tax details. So if it's a lawyer or an accountant that you seek, if that's the type of counsel or advice you're looking for, please look elsewhere. And as I've said before, don't even look on a podcast. Instead, go to your phone book and look under L for lawyer or A for accountant and get the licensed professional counsel you need.